Hi friends, welcome to the Artist's Blend. Today we'll be talking about different building architectures and what we like about them and just a little bit of history with them too. So grab your mug and let's get talking. I feel like I have my radio voice this morning and be like, okay, next on a tiny. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time that we've co- recorded at this ideal this, time in a yes, while. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know about ideal, but this, this early time. morning recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works out. It's fine. It is. It's a good time for coffee. Maybe it not podcasting. Is. And if you're but... listening and having a warm mug, welcome. Enjoy. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> um, our coffee today that we are having okay. is um, another one of Endeavor's. Yes. It is from Endeavor Coffee Roasters. It is called Upendo Beginnings. Mm. Um, it is their, um, is oh, Upendo means love in Swahili, which is why it's named that, which is really cool. Um, it is from Uganda. It's from a small collection of farms in Mount Elgin region of Uganda, um, or a collection of small farms, rather. Not a small collection of farms. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this, this coffee specifically helps support Ugandan orphan child care ministries, yeah. and, um, which is why they named it Upendo Beginnings, because it's the beginning it. of love for those orphans in Uganda. So That's incredible. Um, yeah, super cool. So yeah. we'll let you know what we think about it later. Yes. But let's talk about some buildings. Um, we're just going to talk like why we like them. We're not architectural heroes or no. aficionados, <laughs> but um, we do have an eye for aesthetic and so we're going to talk about what we like about them and then just like the little fun facts we found yeah it's gonna be a good time um yeah we will be showing each other images if you are listening while driving or uh, exercising or whatever you do while you listen to us um and you pick your interest is peaked you can look up photos uh, look them up later if you're driving yeah yeah just bookmark (laughs) it you'll be fine yeah (laughs) um but yeah i'm gonna start us off with a building called the Flatiron Building in New York City. Lovely. So the Flatiron Building was built in 1902 by Daniel Burnham, and it is one of New York City's oldest surviving skyscrapers. It is on Fifth Avenue and significant not only in appearance, but also in one of the key buildings in the Beaux Arts Classic, which is from 1885 to 1925. It is late and eclectic form of neoclassicism, which combines Greece and Rome architecture with Renaissance ideas. The Fifth Avenue Building Company had invested $1.5 million in the project at the time. So, as we all know, inflation, you can do that, Matt. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Uh, It is famed as one of the first buildings to use a steel skeleton, and it is constructed in three horizontal sections, like a Greek column, and atypical for the time uses extensive elevators. And its name, Flatiron, comes from its resemblance to the clothing irons used at the turn of the 20th century. <laughs> and at its narrowest point at the very top, it is 22 stories, 280-foot structure. The building is usually nar- is unusually narrow, just at 6.5 feet, or 2 meters wide. For wow. a building, that's pretty impressive. And that's the, the front, like the corner mm-hmm. tip, Yeah, that's right? the front corner of it. That's yeah. crazy, right? 6 feet. I, I like to think of it looks like cake. Like, but that's just my students ah, talking. I like uh, that better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cake like, building. No, nobody knows what a flat iron is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's it's not a building. It's actually cake. I know. <laughs> the flat iron building is popular landmark in New York landscape. So much so that the district it sits in became known as the building's name. So it is the flat yeah. iron district. Uh, oh, cool. 
little tidbit, I took a trip to New York at the beginning of this year and just now realized that I was less than 500 yards from the building and didn't go see it because I was in Madison Square and looking at the arch and looking at some photos of the building. You can see it through the arch. So I just missed it. <laughs> wow. And we're like, okay, next time I go, I will be looking for this because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, so. that's cool. Um, well, my first one, and these are in no particular order. No, I we each not picked at all. five, but these are not at all in an order. Um, <laughs> but so the first one that I have is the Frauenkirche in uh, Dresden, which is Ooh. in Germany. Yes. Um, it's the, yes, because Dresden is the capital of yep. the German state of Saxony. So um, there we go. Yeah. But it, it it just struck my eye because it, it looks like the first thing I thought was it's almost like um, it's giving like London, oh, yes. like government buildings yes, with a yes. touch of like church. Is it? And um, I looked up and looked into it a little bit and it is a Lutheran church. Yeah. And um, it, it's just gorgeous. They have it, it has this dome in the center, um, almost like our, our Capitol building has the, the dome in the center with a little mm-hmm. thing on top with arches, arch yep. window thingies. And um, and then there's like these four little spires. It's a nice little square um, building with um, lots of gorgeous windows. And the also just the color struck me. Yep. Um, it's gorgeous at night when the sun sets. Oh, it, it looks look almost that. gold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really pretty. That's fascinating because a building I talk about was to be in stone because stone glows at night from the architecture really? word. So oh, that's, that's cool. fascinating to see that. So uh, it was originally built between 1726 and 1743. Mm. Um, and it was actually during World War II, it was pretty much destroyed. Oh, no. Um, during the Allied firebombing of Dresden uh, towards the end of World War II. And for a while there, it was just left to, to fall apart in ruins, mm. um, and they made a, a monument out of it. Um, so it was a World War II monument of just destructed church ruins, mm. and it was this devastating um, site. But in um, a, as time went on, they realized, okay, these ruins are continuing to ruin, yes. and it's falling apart more and more every day, and this will not be here at all anymore, let alone mm. like the state that it's in, it's going to get worse over time. Yeah. And it was getting worse over time, as were a couple other senior, similar monuments. And so they decided to rebuild it. And um, in 1993, they, it was officially decided that they would rebuild the church. And in the early 90s, they decided um, that they really needed to rebuild it. Yeah. Um, and so then they, they broke ground in the early 90s. Um, yes, in 93, that's when it was. In yeah. 93, they decided to break ground um, and start to rebuild it. And it wasn't actually finished um, being rebuilt until 2005. Wow. So this has been a long time coming. Um, and there's actually part of uh, the, uh, w- one of the sections, it was like the, the last and largest section that was not broken. Yeah. Um, and they kept that and built the rest of it from that one little section. And you can see the difference in the stone. It's really, really cool. They they used, um, they sifted through all sorts of um, stone to get through um, the old stuff and find where things were supposed to be. And they have this huge call for like, hey, if you have any pictures of it. Hey. And there were art historians, there were um, like architectural historians and, and just citizens who came forward. And like, it was just huge group effort of, trying to build this, rebuild this cultural 
um, centerpiece. Okay. And it was really, really cool. And people were sending in like their like their wedding albums, people that got married there. They sent in their family wedding albums, like say, hey, use this as much as you need to get what you need out of it. Okay. Um, one interesting piece was the the doors. They were made of oak, but there was little to no information about them at all in any records. They They knew there was this detailed carving, but they had no idea what it looked like. Yeah. And it wasn't until people were sending in photos that they were like, oh, great. Now we know what it looks like. We can yeah. re- rebuild and re-carve uh, these oak doors, um, which is really cool. But That's yeah, so that is the Frauenkirche in Dresden. Nice. The fact that so much history was able to be preserved through a community uh, collection is really, really cool yeah. to me. The fact, it's beautiful. The fact that it, it touched so many different people's lives and then they were able to re- rebirth it by yeah. their memories and their uh, ex- their stuff. That's really cool. <laughs> so my next is, by definition, a collection of buildings. Not necessarily one. This is something I learned. Uh, and I am doing, uh, particularly, I'm doing, I think I'm going to say it wrong, stave churches. I think okay. that's how you say it, stave churches. Um, but Borgund is the one that I have seen throughout my life. That has been interesting. Ooh. So this is a stav church. It is um, the name derives Whoa. from the building structure of post and lintel construction, a type of timber framing where the load bearing or pine posts are called stav in Old Norse, stav in modern Norwegian. Um, wow. It is uh, really, really fascinating to see these things. Um, of the 1 to 2,000 built between 1130 and 1350, 29 survive in Norway. 29. One of them is in Poland, but it was moved from Norway. It was literally picked up and moved uh, all the way over there. Um, and parts of one exist still in Sweden and the UK technically for those perfectionists, but it's not. It's like a wall or a pillar or two. It's not the entire structure. But it isn't. this is the fascinating thing, Easton. It is entirely made out of wood, even the nails. Really? Mm-hmm. And at the time... Only axes were used. Saws weren't made until 1550. So oh, everything you see is made Lord. with axe work, which wow. is fascinating to see. And the fact that they're still standing is yeah. incredible. But even the tiles is like just carved wood. It's not individual tiles or anything. With axes? Yeah. <laughs> it's so detailed and like, precise. Something we only use to split wood now. I can hardly hit a nail with a hammer, let exactly. alone like carve a beautiful tile with right? an axe. <laughs> but I, I have loved this one in particular is the one that I've grown up uh, seeing. Yeah, and it's just absolutely gorgeous to see. But um, they have narrow doors because they are Christian churches with um, Norse mythology and Christianity carvings on the outside. But they have narrow doors because quote no one can take the devil by one side into the church end quote. Oh. So well, okay. They were like, "Okay, we're gonna do this." No, you uh, cannot. <laughs> no, he cannot. <laughs> um, and uh, particularly with the one that I'm showing you, Easton, the Borgund, I believe is how you say it. Um, the carvings inside tell the Norse saga of Sigurd, the dragon slayer, inspired, and it is what inspired the Ring of Nibelung and the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. So huh. it's really interesting to see that. Uh, I wish I could see a inside shot. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if they have that on this section. Um, but the inside actually remini- is reminiscent of Viking ship holes. So if you go mm. into one of these and look straight up, you'll get an idea of what a Viking ship might have looked like. Um, mm. 
but it's just they're super super cool it fascinates me that it's all wood even the nails it's still standing the way it is if you can see it go go see it if you can look it up look it up it's a marvel that they're still standing so i i yeah. hope to see one someday just okay because. when you first pulled this up i was mm-hmm. like i've seen this before yes they because have there's one, one epcot. in epcot yes and i pass by this all like all the time and i was like how do i know this oh i've seen yeah. it before <laughs> um it's also they also have a um display museum i think it's more of a display yeah, it's in, an in, exhibit in the, of Viking yeah it's Lord. exhibit um but this also is what inspired the castle in frozen not not the ice okay. castle but the original yeah um, castle for the sisters that they grew that's up that's really cool right so that's <laughs> top churches. Really, really cool. Well, there we really go. fascinating. Yeah. Okay. My next one is a really interesting. So it is in Barcelona. Mm. Uh, it is called Sagrada Familia. Mm, you. And it, yeah, it's a really pretty, very pretty name. Um, uh, let me pull up this picture. Okay. So look at that. Wow. The first thing I thought was that it kind of reminded me of the. Um... Oh wait, <laughs> forgive me. This is. This is horrible of me to say. No, just But say. it reminds me of the factory from the um, Johnny Depp, Willy Wonka, the, or Charlie and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. It looks like the factory, but like ruined version. Uh-huh. I don't know. So <laughs> this is a gorgeous church. Yeah. It it almost looks like something, I don't know, there's, there's this futuristic quality about mm-hmm. it, while mm-hmm. at the same time looking like it's from the Stone Age. I know. It's... It's particularly it almost looks like stalactites or stalagmites yeah. or whatever. That's uh, mites. Tights hang from the ceiling because they hold on tight. That's how you know the difference. Thank you. Oh, that's I, now I will never forget. I've never <laughs> been able to tell the difference. Yes, my scouting days, everyone. Eagle Scout here. Okay. <laughs> nice. Um, so it is uh, a Roman Catholic church or basilica, it. and it was designed by Antony Gaudi. Wow. And it started. It started construction in 1882, and it is still unfinished. Oh, my gosh. They're still building this thing to this day because there were so many different towers and sections, mm-hmm. and and they're just taking their time. They're, they're building it. Yeah. Um, It looks, it's known for having, a, this words it way better, uh, a tactile organic form. Like, it looks like it's growing I out was of gonna rock say, and, yeah. and tree. Yeah. Um, It's beautiful. And so- uh, it's one of Barcelona's most famous landmarks, yeah. and um, it's it's in the middle of this urban area, and so it just really stands out. Um, it's got these really huge buttresses and towers that are like flying towards the sky. Yep. And it was re- originally um, envisioned by uh, Francisco de Paula del Villar. Mm. Francisco de Paula del Villar, mm. and uh, his initial vision was. Um, was this giant looming thing. And then in 1883 is when Gaudí took over as chief architect and he worked on this for the rest of his life. Um, he wanted, it was originally like a neo-Gothic design. Yep. And what he really wanted was um, to make it, he wanted to make it a 20th century cathedral with an expressionist point of view or an expressionist take yep. on a 20th century cathedral. And so it, it it's, it's this gorgeous. gorgeous product of mm-hmm. and, and, and that's absolutely obvious is that this is like yes it's inspired by cathedrals of that time but it's definitely its own version its own take it's something completely unique 
to his vision. It's beautiful. And, it's fascinating uh, that at different angles, it looks completely different too. Like yes, it doesn't even look like the same because there's so many different sections and mm. and there's um there's so many different parts of this model. There's 18 spindle-shaped towers, yeah. uh, each symbolizing something different. Like there's the 12 apostles, the four evangelists, the Virgin Mary, and Jesus, mm. Mm. which will eventually be the tallest central tower. Yeah. Um, and there's three facades flanked by four bell towers, which represent the apostles and... um. Like it, uh, the gothic influence too is really really cool to see. Yes, absolutely. The, that smaller side, it's fascinating. Yeah, there's so much to look at and consider with this. Um, and I could talk about it all day because there's some really interesting history in it. Yeah. But it's just beautiful. It's and there's beautiful. a model showing um where they're headed and and mm. what it's eventually going to look like. Well, that's cool. And it looks like something. It looks like um, it's almost Hogwarts. Yeah, it's like if, I can see if, that. Salvador Dali designed Hogwarts is what this (laughs) is like for me. Yeah, I can see that. What's interesting, too, is in the pictures, this this is going to sound mean, but it isn't. It looks like a giant's sandcastle was just randomly put into a town. Like it it doesn't look it doesn't match the uh, depth perception of all the other buildings surrounding it. So it's really really cool to see. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So my next one is. Walt Disney, Walt Disney Concert Hall, which is not affiliated with the park at all. <laughs> so don't get don't get it construed. Because this is L.A., right? Yes, it's in L.A. Okay. So it was constructed Ooh. in 1999 to 2003, and it opened in 2003. It was initially started by Lillian Disney, uh, Walt Disney's wife, and it was an initial gift of $50 million in 1987 to build a performance venue as a gift to the people of Los Angeles and tribute to Walt Disney devotion to the arts and to the city. So the artist's name was Frank Geary, I believe is how you say his last name, G-E-H-R-E-R-R-Y, yes. Um, and he was kind of an oddball as a selection for the person to build the building because he was known for his art to be more of made of scrap metal and odd materials, and he was a deconstructivist architecture versus a building. So you can really see that in some of the designs within the building itself because it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's put together. It, doesn't look, it looks like a building exploded. Um, <laughs> but that, that was his influence. It is supposed to, in his words, quote, symbolize musical movement and the motion of Los Angeles. End quote. Mm-hmm. So when, when you hear that quote and you look at it, you can see it for sure. Both as musicians... Uh, in our own respect, you can we can see that for sure, Easton. Yeah. Um, but due to the mathematical complexity of Geary's innovative design, he relied on computer software to produce his design in a way that could be com- uh, completed by contractors. Huh. The technology called CADIA, I believe is how the acronym would be, but it stands for Computer Aided Three Dimensional Interactive ap- Application, is typically used to design process of fighter jets or French Whoa. fighter jets. But its mathematical ability aided Geary in his process of designing the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Yeah. So it took a computer, and while we think, well, that, that's what we do now, but this was also 1990, turn-of-the-century computers. Mm. So not not anywhere what we have now. But Yeah, trying to build still. this off of a scale model, I'd be exactly. like, I can't get an accurate... I'm sure if, if it's not to scale, mm-hmm. you can't get an accurate like Correct. reading on anything Correct. unless and, you have a computer. Yeah. But to talk about scale model, actually, uh, as he was designing the hall, Geary committed to producing a building that would promote the best acoustics possible. 
In order to do this, Geary used ratios to test the acoustics of a model of the building, which was a hmm. 1 to 10 replica. And wow. Geary had to scale all elements of the design accordingly, including the sound that he pumped into the model. Geary reduced the wavelength of the sounds by a factor of 10 in order to discover how his design would respond to the orchestras that would later what? perform in it to provide the best possible acoustics. So not only did he design wow. it this way, but he kept the sound always in mind, which That's crazy. anybody designing a hall should do, but sometimes, as we know, doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is like serving serving the work at its yeah, finest. Absolutely. Um, the walls and the ceiling of the hall are finished in Douglas fir, while the floor is finished with oak. Uh, Columbian mm. Showcase and Cabinet Co. Incorporated, based in Sully, Sunny Valley, California, produced all of the ceiling panels, wall panels, and architectural woodwork for the main auditorium and lobbies. The hall's reverberation time is approximately 2.2 seconds unoccupied and 2 seconds occupied. Wow. So there's a little nerd moment for you. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing is the architect Geary wanted it to be in stone, because, uh, as I said early in the episode, he said that stone glowed at night, and he wanted yeah. that feel. But um, the financing wanted metal. They had seen another <clears throat> another building, and they wanted it in metal. But that came with some issues because there became glare and heat issues. Some of the rooms that were in the building were heating up too much, and they couldn't use them. So yeah. um, they just had to go through and basically meticulously choose a wall and say, okay, we're going to dull down this one side of the building and the rest of the stainless steel can remain shiny. And I'm like, wow. okay, <laughs> that's wow. a solution. But it's really, I really love cool. to see this in stone. I would too. Um, because like at night, the artist was talking about at night, uh, metal is, is shadowed. You don't see it. And yeah. in this one particular, it just looks like a, a, dull building if stone it would have glowed it would have reverberated yeah. instead of shiny <laughs> so mm. that's Walt Disney Concert Hall do you love enjoying a nice warm mug of your favorite tea or coffee then you're gonna love Carver Trading Company located in Orlando Florida they are proud to be veteran owned family business that selects the finest green coffee directly from several growing regions around the world for a fresh farm-to-cup experience. They source coffee in a socially responsible and environmentally sustainable way that benefits the areas where the coffee is grown. From light roast to dark, including blends like Colombian, Donut Store, and a Costa Rica selection, they also provide decaf and a wide variety of tea blends that pair perfectly with any rainy day or cozy evening with a good book. They also have gift cards available, making the perfect gift for that coffee or tea lover in your life who is, let's say, particular with their drink preferences. Not only are their products delicious, but they are wonderful people too. Definitely fit the good beans category in our books. So check out the link in our show notes for a 10% off discount today. Okay, so this one is in Cambodia. Yeah. There has been tons and tons of different... Um, uh, features on this it is anchor watt <laughs> so this is anchor watt it is huge it is ancient it is gorgeous <laughs> uh, there's an aerial shot of it but i wow. think it does it the most justice so oh yeah uh, i have seen this it's a, oh really so it's a temple complex <laughs> in cambodia and it was built in the 12th century by king suryavarman the second Crazy. Uh, who range from 1113 to about 1150. Okay. Um, it is 
a collection of more than a thousand buildings and it is it, it was and is today one of the most amazing wonders of the world um and it is the world's largest religious structure wow. it covers about like a, around 400 acres and it is like the reigning glory of this style of architecture um Khmer architecture i believe it's mm. called and at the time, it was um, so it was originally constructed by Suryavarman Sur- Sur- II as a funerary temple in which wow. his remains were going to be laid. So essentially, he was building his own like pyramid uh, crypt, um, and uh, obviously a lot further after the ancient Egyptians. But um, yes. that idea of creating something for yourself to be buried within as a, a temple to yourself. Um, and that's what he was doing here. And so, um, and there were tons of other construction projects taking place at the time, but obviously this was the biggest one. This was the, the big deal. Mm. And they expect it to have taken about three decades to construct. Jeez. Um, it is, uh, it was at the time when it was finished, it was sort of the, the royal center mm. from which the Kings of this time ruled. And um, which I think is interesting. It was imagined as a funerary temple, but then sort of like now it's the the center. But I'm like, honestly, if you were to build something this incredible, like, yeah, it kind of has to be your center of operations (laughs) at that point because it's too cool not to. Exactly. We spent too much um, money. (laughs) Yeah. But that's Anchor Watt. Nice. I found it um, really cool in pictures I had seen and the ones you had up on the screen. It's interesting that in modern age, when we look at a cityscape, something Mm -hmm. old might stand out. Right, yeah. But in these pictures, the modern road that has been updated for people to walk up to this huh. is what looks out of place. Yeah, like, like that that shouldn't be there. Take that take that out. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool. That's awesome. It um, is. My next one is called the Gherkin. Gherkin. <laughs> the Bless Gherkin. You. It is in London, England. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gherkin. There it is. Is a it is on Thirty Saint Mary X, which is uh, in London. It is a unique design, and it is called is nicknamed the Gherkin. Actually, eventually called that, but um, in 1999 it was nicknamed that because it looks like a pickled cucumber, the, which is also <laughs> named the Gherkin. <laughs> um, it's been bought and sold several several times as it was built for <laughs> a lot of money. It was. Uh, Finished in 2003, and then in 2006, it was sold for $600 mil- $630 million. Oh, boy. And I'm like, that's a pretty penny. Um, it's uh, interesting because of the area, the skyscraper uses about half of the energy that a skyscraper of this size would normally use. So it's kind of innovative in, in how they do that. Um, it's It was controversial because of the area that it's in is a, a pretty historic district and they wanted to erect this new uh, modernized uh, building mm-hmm. with glass and the people were upset about it and they didn't really want it but um, the Bolitic Exchange bombing in April 10th, 1992 is what destroyed the um, uh, area and a lot of the historic buildings that were destroyed were actually deconstructed and stored in hopes to um, just restore them and and bring mm-hmm. the district back to life. But they found that the damage was too great to do that. So uh, in came this modernized building, 
with uh, offices and whatnot. And mm. there was a, a big stink with an organization. I uh, didn't write it down, my bad historian. Um, <laughs> but uh, it has to do with the um, hist- uh, history. It's, it's a London historic uh, organization that basically fights for history to be uh, present within the city. And uh-huh. um, But at the time of this construction, it was the tallest building in the area, and it was particularly an eyesore, and it also had some upset because it was going to throw <laughs> off. The original plan was actually double the heights, and it was going to throw Whoa. off air patterns. Oh, uh, my air, air traffic patterns, and they were like, no. So they went with a different design, uh, which is what we have today. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Talk about an inconvenience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> some, some really quick facts. Uh, there's an 18-passenger lifts, which travel at the speed of up to 6 meters per second. So that's 20 feet. Ooh. So really, really fast. The largest circumference of the gherkin is 178 meters, only two meters uh. less than the building's height. So it's almost as tall as it is wide. <laughs> um, the construction of the building started in 2001, was finished December 2003. Uh, the lens at the very top of the tower is the only piece of curved glass used in the gherkin. So it looks like it's curved the entire way, but it's not up until the top. Each floor of the building rotates five degrees from the floor just below it. So it's not it's not perfectly stacked on top of each what? other right the, the some of these mathematical marvels is just fascinating to me when it comes to these things wow so that's the gherkin my lordy i know that's crazy second to last one yeah it is the potala palace oh. which is in the uh southern tibet region um in lhasa yeah. So, which, so this is Why does this look like the really tower that they fought at for with Avengers in um Oh with Old Age of Ultron. It looks it, like the, the base that they're yes, fighting because at. Because it's almost like a brutalism thing. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, um, cool, cool, cool. As far as like the the style, it's yeah. very much like concrete boom in your face. It's on top of a mountain, um, and it almost looks like it's it's a continuation of the mountain, um, like you can it, at least in the the few pictures that I'm looking at right now, it's yep. sort of um, like it's like uh, if you were stacking cups, if you ever did mm-hmm. like cup stacking, yeah. it's like if you wanted <laughs> yeah. to add another layer, you would start on the right side and add mm-hmm. a cup to the top and make mm-hmm. a new point mm-hmm. and then uh, like a new side, and that's what this yep. building looks like to me. It's like an extension of the mountain. Um, yeah, it is gorgeous. It's huge it's it's um like a stark white and deep maroon uh-huh. um so it was built in it were completed at least in 1648 um it was known as the white palace um mm. with the translation in english yes. and uh it was the seat of the tibetan government and it was uh-huh. also the main residence of the dalai lama and um from the mid 18th wow. century it was uh, started to be used as a winter palace and um, it is now it now is home to like several chapels and sacred statues, and it has tombs of eight Dalai Lamas. And oh. because of all of this, it's still a, a really important pilgrimage site for a lot Absolutely. of Tibetan Buddhists. Yeah. And so um, it is. Oh my gosh! It's this. It's a monument. It's this huge mm-hmm. monument, and it looks like it. Um, you can tell, like, just looking at it, that it's something sacred. Um, there's also some like that, this further that you get out, there's like yeah. little spires 
Yeah. Um, there's a few photos of it, like looking at the building from the perspective of some of the small golden spires. Hmm. Um, but the colors alone, I think, are are beautiful. But I just yeah. love this one in particular because of how it just looks like oh, an wow, extension of the mountain. That one with the fog is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Anyway, but that is the Patala Palace. That's interesting that the photos, if you squint, it looks like just a snow-capped mountain. Yeah, it does. So and it, it's almost it, it almost looks that like red, it was it made. It really look yeah, like that from far away. It almost looks like it was made to blend in, like yeah. not to be not to stand out, but also hmm. it stands out. So yeah. interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. My next one, or my last one, should say, is a building called the Edge. The Edge. Yes. So this is the Edge, and it's fascinating to me because it is doted oh? as one of the greenest buildings on earth right now oh i thought you so meant it color has... and i was like dude that is not green no no no, no, no. green <laughs> is an environmental Sorry. yes um no, but it is 98 percent clean the entire building runs that way and it's it's just what you think about it and you wow. don't really understand how that's possible but in denmark it is mm. and so it dotes it's an office space and it is has a 15-story atrium inside the really cool thing about it is the company that um, is within the building is its own. Uh, the company built the building, so they're within the infrastructure of the lighting and everything like that. This is where it gets kind of borderline creepy, but also not. Uh, okay. So Deloitte is the name of the company and it has twenty five hundred workers that share one thousand desks. Let that let that sink in. How but many workers? The- 2,500. Sharing 1,000 desks? Correct. So it's actually a concept called hot desking, and it is supposed to encourage new relationships, chance interactions, and just as important, efficient use of space. So Interesting. The, the, company, has, the company has an app, and the app knows when you get to work. And if you want to reserve an office space that has a conference table because you've got a presentation that day, you can do that. If you want to reserve... Uh, a smaller desk for the day, you can. If you want to reserve what they've got, little seating arrangements to where you can sit in, you can. Uh, it huh. basically can not reserve, but tell you, okay, go here. And you can, or you can stay in the atrium all day. They they don't care where you work. And a lot of the employees love that because it's just yeah. you can choose where you want to go. Huh. They have a gym that's on site that you can use. They encourage people to use the gym. Uh, the parking lot has a camera that recognizes your license plate, and when you get to work, it takes you to your own specific uh, park. Excuse me, it takes you to your own specific parking spot. Huh. Uh, the, there's a online dashboard that the app uses, and not only can you reserve your seat, you can re- you can adjust the lighting to your preferences above you. Only you. Whoa. Each panel in the ceiling of the building is. Is, is its own computer, basically. So it can brighten, it can dim, it can do whatever you want in your own area. You also can control the thermostat specifically to your area from your phone. Wow. The app is ever-evolving. Uh, it also has electric car uh, plugins built in because it's Netherlands and they are better in Amsterdam there. <laughs> and bike parking as well. So if you want to bike to work, you can. Um, wow. The lights actually don't use traditional lighting it uses ethernet cables instead because of the smart technology that goes with ethernet. it ethernet interesting mm-hmm. so it uses less energy by doing it that way huh. uh 
It also has, uh, excuse me, it has an aquifer thermal energy stored in the, uh, it has one of the most efficient aquifer thermal store energy storage in the world. Uh, it also uses boreholes, which is a new, te- a newer green uh, technology with buildings that they bore into the earth and in the summer they send the heat down into these boreholes from the building and then in the winter they allow they're able to release it and it warms the building it's way more efficient and greener in doing that way to me it sounds like screaming in a saucepan and putting the lid on and like opening it up and there being a scream there still that doesn't make sense to me no no it doesn't either but somehow it works um and then they also have solar panels all on top of the building and also on the uh it's on one of the sides. I think it's the the south side of the building. I could be wrong on that. But um, it uses 70% less of electricity, the building does, than your typical office building. <laughs> and the solar panels are able to charge the entire building, people's phones, people's cars, and um, one, other th- uh, one other thing. But basically it uses zero energy just because of the solar power yeah. that it has. Um. There, this is kind of cool. It has a trickle-down toilet water system. So anytime it <laughs> rains, that rainwater is collected, and it is what is used in the toilet and irrigation and sinks. Wow. And then they also have a RoboCop and a vacuum. So uh, everyone knows a Roomba. They basically have Roombas for the office. And then they have this little RoboCop, and he goes around at night and patrols the grounds. He looks what? like a little R2-D2 type, type thing. And if there's any kind of... Um, uh, it's got cameras, and it, if, if there's any kind of identity theft or con- culprit of any kind around, it'll set off an alarm, or it'll go check something out to see if it's a false alarm or not, so it doesn't what? use a human. Yeah. And uh, it's just really, really cool. And <laughs> the website uh, says that even the bathroom watches you, but not in a creepy way. And <laughs> so what it says is basically it can know, it's a smart system. It knows if the uh, paper towel dispenser is running low, if the bathroom has been really, really active. Hmm. It knows to let the cleaning staff know to go clean it up or wow. restock anything. So it runs really efficiently. And the best part is the grounds have birds, bats, bees, and bugs. So it is a natural environment for pollinators to yeah. um, be able to thrive and just get back to the environment in the sense of home and keep insects down with bats and they've got these huge columns that have holes all over them for boar bees and all kinds of pollinators it's fascinating to me because it just shows what green technology we can eventually get to yeah and i just love that that's really cool i love yeah. everything about that except robocop i don't like yeah. that that's creepy <laughs> robocop okay humans robocop I think are better. is cute he's a little cute <laughs> yeah i don't like, know think about wally yeah, and think about think about the one that cleans him. That's about the size of the robot. But to it's me, still, it's still, I think no, of Wally. I think of the world being in destruction no, yes. <laughs> and humans not existing. No, no, I understand that one hundred percent. No, but that's so cool though. I love that. That's like setting a really cool precedent <laughs> for the rest of the world, like yeah. they've done in many other respects in Denmark. <laughs> Very much. So my last one. Yes. Uh, forgive me. This no. is not. This again, it is not in order. This is not like my all time favorite building in the world. That's fine. But I do love some aspects of this building and I wanted to talk about it for a second. So, great. My final building, my final building is Le Chateau de la Belle Bois Dormant. Yeah. Which is the Disneyland Paris castle. Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, um, the Sleeping Beauty's castle. 
in my opinion, one of my favorite Disney yeah, castles. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. so gorgeous. And I one of the things I love the most is the the landscaping around it, mm-hmm. which is a really mm-hmm. architecture, but it's an aspect of it. Um, so the building itself, is it has a really fascinating story um, behind it as well, which it's it's really unique in comparison mm-hmm. to all the other castles in the world. That and, and Shanghai's castle, I think, are my yeah. two favorites. But the <laughs> reason this one is so different and so unique is because when when they were looking to expand originally mm. in uh, Euro Disney is what it was mm-hmm. um, before Disneyland Paris, but um, when they were looking to expand and put a park in Europe, they were planning the castle, and when they were kind of like testing things and talking to people, people were just unimpressed by yeah. the castles, particularly like the one in in Florida and the one in California, because yeah. they're like we literally have castles everywhere. It's Europe. Yeah. Your castles <laughs> are based off of ours. Yes, and they're and like they're this is good. we don't care. <laughs> um, and so they they needed some other quality to mm. make people excited about this castle. Something that made this castle unique. And so what they yep. they decided to do was give it just a a pixie dusting of fantasy, and mm-hmm. to make it give it this innate magical quality about it. That for us, our castles in the United States are castles, and period. Yep. That is what yep. makes them magical: the fact that they're castles. Yes. But because castles are so normal. They had yeah. to give them a touch of fantasy, and so mm. there's there's um, part of it is the um, the angles of some of the the spires themselves. It looks tighter than ours and um, the U.S. is too, in the sense yeah. of the spires being stacked on top of each it's other. It's a bit narrower. The mm-hmm. the, the spires um, are just um, a bit more whimsical. But I think that's yeah. what it is. It has a much more whimsical look to Whimsy it. Whimsy to it, yeah. Yeah, and then the landscaping going hand-in-hand hand with the castle really elevates what they were going for. Yeah. And so the result is this beautiful castle, which to me is more whimsical and fantastical and magical mm-hmm. than any other um, mm-hmm. that they have in the world. I love the I love the moat, like the true moat style. Yeah. And this is coming from somebody who hasn't been to any Disney park in over 20, almost 23 years now. But like, <laughs> The fact that you can go under the castle, not not only through, but in, but like under that castle, just yeah. looks fascinating. The trees off to the side, they sell me. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I learned in research for this episode was that uh, Disney in particular was known for their castles to not necessarily be fully accurate. And the reason being is they would combine different features from different castles mm-hmm. so for uh some castles would be like two castles put together and the period of castle hist- the history of castles and the building of like this certain spire wasn't used until this time frame this yeah. one wasn't like disney didn't really pay attention to that which is fine yeah because they wanted they wanted that whimsical look but that one in paris that you showed me just ticks all the boxes in the research yeah. that i saw it follows the triangular pattern that the castles typically do it's stacked on top of each other the way it is. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh-huh. We're gonna we're, really we'll cool. go. We'll go see it. So yeah. we'll go see it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my last one. That's it. Nice. There's, there's our top five favorite buildings. Yeah. And again, not in any order, not in any particular like this one over the other one. Yeah. I just think they're really cool. Yeah. Uh, if you have any buildings that spark your interest and you want to let us know, let it let us know. We'll we'll build upon more episodes Ha-ha. if we if we need to. Ha ha. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah, me too. Let's talk about the coffee real quick. Yeah, fast. the coffee was good. I It was. Um, on the the tasting notes on the website, yeah. it says that there's um, some dark chocolate, fig, yeah. raisin, and a hint of nuttiness. And mm. I definitely got like a chocolate-covered raisin vibe. Yep. 
the colder it gets, I did get the raisin. Um, oh, really? Uh, after note, but it's really, really, it, I enjoy it. it. I was telling Easton before we started, it threw me off because the hint of nut is what threw me. I, I tend to lean toward the nut flavor of eh. coffees, and I was like, I taste something, <laughs> but then I don't. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so thank you again for uh, Endeavor Coffee sending us the coffee. And for Kevin, a wonderful person, go check him out. Um, thank you all for listening thus far to this yeah. episode. This this was not a stretch, but a, a different different aspect and a different chapter in our exploration of topics. So, yeah. Ethan, you want to get us out of here? Yeah. All right, yeah. everybody, raise your mug or your cup or your hand and pretend you have something in it. Repeat after me, everybody. Well, not repeat. Say it with me, everybody. On the count of three. One, two, three. Be good beans and drink good beans. Yeah. Have a great Bye, day. The Artist's Blend theme music was written and produced by Christopher and Sarah Bailey of Well Wishes Productions, a Nashville-based boutique production company specializing in multimedia production, live event contracting, studio, and live vocals. Find Incognita's Infamous Adventures on Amazon Prime and its soundtrack on all digital platforms.